2: So welcome to this podcast. This is episode 48. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jaime Lippez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We have Jonathan Kuline on the line from Mr. and Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. And we also have George Tromolopoulos on the phone from Toronto. I am right? in Toronto today. Hello, everybody. Toronto today. Howdy. Hello, right, hello. we're eager to get going here. So, Jonathan, do we have any fact check from last week, or is it all mine?
3: Uh, well, actually, I, I did the same process you did and came up with the same two answers. So, uh, you want to flip a coin?
2: Uh, well, there's three answers here, actually. So. All right. Uh, well, uh, I'll, the I'll do the first one.
3: two, and you can do the last one. So, Okay, uh, sure. So, uh, 4840, last episode, uh, we were talking about uh, the Game of Thrones recap, and we were talking about the crimes of Cersei Lannister, and... Uh, we were talking about the High Sparrow and we couldn't quite come up with the name of the actor. It was Jonathan Price played uh, the High Sparrow in, uh, in Game of Thrones, of course, great British actor. Uh, and 108.27, we uh, we were talking about Alien and uh, again, fishing for the name of the uh, the famous uh, spacecraft from that, which was the Nostromo. So,
2: right. I think I said Nostromo on the show, but I wasn't sure. I, I think sure, you right
3: said right? that in about four other things. So it's good that you okay, clarified.
2: Well, Nostromo. Yes, the
3: yeah. Nostradamus or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And we were talking about Wandering Earth last week and and I, I knew that either... Jaime or I had had mentioned it, but I kind of discovered it on Netflix a couple last week, I guess, and uh, watched it. So it was on episode 35 that Jaime mentioned the Wandering Earth to us. All right, cool. So let's go through the headlines. John, you got something?
3: Yeah, so uh, let's let's kick off with uh, news we got. Uh, it was late last week that uh, we may have a, a little little casting on uh, who is going to be the next Batman. So we, we talked about how uh, Ben Affleck is out of the picture, and uh, news came out this week. Uh, We've got a story link here from Variety that uh, Robert Patton's, and of course, very famously of the uh, the Twilight franchise, uh, is uh, now in negotiations to play Batman in the uh, in the next uh, incarnation. Of course, they're going with a uh, sort of reboot, soft reboot of that franchise, and, and going with a little more of a younger. So uh, what do you guys think of the idea of Robert Pattinson being our Batman?
4: I'm a big fan of that idea. I think it's amazing. I imagine when you say they're going for a softer reboot, it's it, are they trying to do uh, what the Marvel Universe did with Spider-Man and just kind of make it a, um, a little bit more, uh, more just lighter, to be honest with you, because the Dark Knight series was the opposite of that? Uh, I think Robert's great because one thing that I want Batman to be is um, a, a bit aloof, and I want him to be quiet, and I want that quiet to be properly earned, and I think Robert Pattinson knows how to do that. At. It won't take him much work to uh, to be inside his own head and kind of avoid the madness of what's happening around him.
3: Yeah, I think it, it would be good if they could capture a little bit more of the kind of mania that you would have to be to be somebody like Batman. And I, and I could say that I see him playing that maybe better than, than a Ben Affleck or somebody like that. He has that sort of more psychological take on the character that, that could be good. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I think maybe he just doesn't feel as... Well, I mean, George, you could tell us you've met the man. It, he he doesn't seem as sort of um, square-jawed as that sort of stereotype type of Batman in my mind.
4: Yeah, he doesn't look like the drawing. That is for sure. Um, but I think that what, what he's got is the eyes. And those eyes are going to pierce through that mask. And I think uh, Robert Pattinson would be really good. I But I mean, keep this in mind. I didn't... I, I liked Michael Keaton as Batman. I was fine with Clooney. I was uh, totally fine with uh, with uh, with um, the other guy. And I love Ben. Val Kilmer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other I like guy. them all. I like them all. Um, so... Uh, I'm Christian Bale, of course. So I I, I like when different actors bring different things to Batman. My my thing about any of these superhero stories, any of these Marvel or DC Universe things, is it doesn't really bother me if it isn't exactly as I want it to be, because I know they're just going to do it again in a year and a half. So they're always giving us different versions. It's always being rebooted. And they're taking over 96% of the screens in any particular theater. So there is no business without Marvel and DC. So i just like, all right, they'll do this one and it'll be different and then we'll get another one uh, to me basically all these you know this robert pattinson this is fan fiction this is fanfic version of batman it's when all the twilight fans freaked out when oh my god we got we got bobby back and i think i think that's going to work out fine for them
2: yeah i guess it's an interesting are we all hating on ben affleck no, now or I like what? Ben Affle- well i would bet i'm a big ben affleck fan
3: <laughs> i like affleck too although i i did find his portrayal a little a little wooden and i did think i mean he didn't have great material to work with we've we've talked about that in the past and we don't want to drag that one back out of the, the shadows too too, but uh i'll be happy if batman doesn't have you know large weapons or murder multiple people in this version that's, that's what true. i'm that's looking true. for yeah, yeah. i think it's about time they did a good detective movie i think that's the part that's really been missing I, i've been reading those books since i was a kid and and you know the the they really have never done a great batman as detective story i, I think you know i could see robert pattinson playing a very noirish batman and doing it that way he worked
4: like he, he works really well in david cronenberg films so i expect him to work well in uh in this i think you're right too i think he's a more introspective kind of guy, but not in a wooden sense. He's thoughtful, and I and I think that I think it'll just be different if they went for another superstar. Who, like, if you think about Clooney and Keaton, Christian Bale's in his own world. And that's a whole different series. But uh, Keaton is odd too. But like Clooney and and um, Ben, they're they're stars in the more traditional Hollywood sense. And I don't think Robert is that kind of a star. Even though he was enormous, he's not that kind of a star. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. I, I would think of him more as a serious, not not a, a star so much as an actor, right? Like, the difference.
4: Exactly. I I, I agree with that. All right. All right. What's next, John? Uh,
3: So a couple trailers we got this week. Uh, We got our first look at HBO's adaptation of His Dark Materials, uh, which, of course, is a a very famous and very popular book series, um, otherwise known as The Golden Compass. Um, And that one, yeah. Yeah, it looks really kind of interesting. I must admit, I've never read those books. They are sort of marketed for YA, but I think in that world of YA, like so many other, the, the Harry Potters, the Divergence, uh twilights we talked about um they sort of have a crossover appeal and uh to have hbo do the adaptation you know it's it's kind of exciting to see what what they could do with it and the trailer looks really cool i have no idea what's happening in it um uh, but i know from looking at it that it looks really cool and atmospheric and i know that there's a, a really good list of actors in there as well so it, i think it looks pretty cool have you guys had a chance to give that a look um yeah i saw this
5: i i want to say when i streamed the finale of game of thrones i think this is the trailer that showed before that's it, right uh, or maybe immediately after or something and uh, I immediately noticed uh, this is going to fact check or, or real time follow uh, X-23 from Logan that's is,
3: exactly right Daphne
5: Keene well there you go no fact check now the real time follow yep. <laughs> so, yeah it, it looks interesting i also like uh, some others I, I have not read the books I think I sort of half watched the Golden Compass movie that came out maybe a decade ago uh-huh. uh, but this looks like a, a very cool uh, it also, different take on it also
4: has Ruth Wilson in it as Marissa and Ruth is easily one of the best actors in the whole world and and uh, everything – most recently, Luther and The Affair. But when yeah. – if you have Ruth Wilson and James McAvoy as your leads, it's – and of course, they got Lin-Manuel Miranda as well. So that's yeah. – it's a really killer lineup of performers. So I, I don't think – and again, they didn't go for obvious stars. I think I think the casting alone is what's going to make this uh, incredibly watchable.
3: Yeah. yeah uh, no, it look, it sounds like it's going to be really good. So uh, they haven't released a date. It just – it's still listed as 2019. But, um, but I mean, coming this year, this is exciting. This looks really cool. They need
4: – we need something for the post game of thrones world
3: yeah absolutely <laughs> well wow, and, and no coincidence they were pimping that out uh, right right during game of thrones uh, final episode by the way don't cancel your subscription that's right that's right <laughs> too late <Yeah. laughs>
5: spoilers for some of the other trailers when i saw the dates i was like oh okay yeah i'm gonna go ahead and cancel now then <laughs>
3: Uh, and the other trailer that we got this week that I was really cool was uh, the first full trailer for the CW's Batwoman series. So uh, we obviously knew this was coming. They did the backdoor pilot in the fall with the uh, the crossover series and the CW uh, DC Universe shows. And uh, and a, a really cool looking trailer for this too. Uh, obviously set, set up uh, the first, uh, we talked about this last week, uh, the first uh, LGTBQ uh, main character in one of these shows and uh, and a really neat sort of atmosphere to it. So uh, I was really excited about that uh, when you guys think?
2: So I, I know they toss around these these um, superheroes and change identities and stuff like that throughout the books and stuff like that, but to me, Batwoman is always, or Batgirl, I guess, is what I'm thinking of. So this is a different character, right? Yeah, this yeah. is a yeah. different iteration. Right. right. So is this is this character from the books, like, or is this something they've made up for the movie kind of thing? No, no,
3: she's a character from the DC Universe, um, you know, yeah. and there's been some actually really, really excellent Batwoman comic books over the last decade or so. Um, and it, it, from my, what I've read of it, and that's a decent amount of stuff. It looks pretty bang on. Um, they've obviously sort of concocted this world wherein she has sort of assumed the mantle in lieu of Bruce Wayne. Uh, obviously, in the comic books, they're, they're never going to cancel Batman because Batman's Batman. Um, so she exists in parallel. But in this, uh, the idea is that she's—you uh, know—Bruce has gone missing or left Gotham unattended. So therefore, she sort of takes up the mantle and and uh, and runs with it in her own way. And uh, and it looks really cool. And Ruby Rose, of course, is going to be the star. So uh, I'm 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 in i'm in
2: so she mentions her uncle is she like she's the niece of
3: batman or uh i think she's supposed to be cousin first cousin, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cousin she's, right. she's kate okay. Kane yeah, right, right.
4: and um and there was the crossover in arrow right was where i think this whole thing started yep. and, and this yeah and yeah what gives us the spinoff
3: yeah so uh I, I guess if you add it up i mean now we're we're sort of balancing it out there's because arrow is going to be off the air only 10 episodes uh in its final season next year uh, so this will sort of assume its place in the lineup so uh yeah we'll have supergirl and Batwoman and flash and legends of tomorrow as the four uh, sort of um, pinnacles of the uh, of the DC Pillars, Universe Pillars, oh, Pillars. Pillars. and Pillars, Nancy
4: yeah. Drew and Nancy Drew I know that's not yeah. technically <laughs> <laughs>
3: sci-fi and Veronica fantasy. Mars don't
2: forget Veronica Mars that's
3: on Hulu that's coming out of the Hulu and
4: Dora the
2: Explorer is coming back
5: that's true he's all
2: part of the Arrowverse because I really
3: only follow Supergirl and
5: they do the crossovers you know one week a year so Nancy
4: Drew is not part of the the as far as I understand it anyway the I was just picking up women characters
2: so my tweet here so I saw this tweet and, I, and it was going to be a running theme throughout the show but like you know what whether you're on side or off side with this, with this uh, latest season but uh, this, this and I basically put this in order that I found it and this is well before the, the final episode aired but this is from Stephen King and he uh, offering his opinion you know as you know discerning writer of fiction and whatever uh, about his position of Game of Thrones he says he loves it he loves it, Danny going b- bug shit over King's Landing um, and he says he, even though there's a lot of negativity he sort of said like you his, p- his position is that people are hating on it because they just don't want it to end, which is kind of interesting. So. Uh,
3: I think, I think we'll get deep into that in our, uh, in our main for today, because I think we all have a take on, on how this all wrapped up, but uh, you know, he's not wrong. I like think a lot of people get really bent out of shape at anything coming to a conclusion. And, and we've seen that play out, you know, you can name the finales, even finales that were pretty good, you know, the, the breaking bads and the Ma- mad men and, you know, uh, lost and, you know, people just, you uh, you know, they build these things up in their head, and they're never satisfied, and and they do get frustrated, and they they work themselves into a frenzy. You know, I, I'll be interested to see how many people come back at this ten years from now, and and see how they feel about it then. Right, right. We get the brand spinoff, right? Yeah. All right.
2: I mean, you got something for us?
5: Yeah. Speaking of uh, spinoffs, or likely like that, you'd say sequels or, or prequels. I guess the uh, Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance for Netflix. We have uh, we have some photos, and and they look great because it reminds me of exactly what I saw from Jim Henson creature shop way back in the 80s
2: yeah and this is coming out this summer right I
5: august That's a good, oh thank you thank august, you yeah, yeah i couldn't remember when but it looks like like it's pretty spot on hopefully you know if this is a good sign that they're going to capture the spirit of that movie
4: alicia Classic. alicia Vikander, simon pegg helena Bonham carter all probably and i agree those photos looked amazing because we don't ever get to see that um everything is so heavily cgi now that when you, when you look at some of these 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 models and these characters you're like well wow, this is a throwback this is going to be really fun
1: yeah mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. yeah it's like a distinctive vision like there really has not been i mean maybe labyrinth a little bit because of the same creature house but boy it really has a unique look it really takes you to that universe right away yeah yeah as excited as i was before it just a little more and the more they show the more i want
2: and yeah, now i have to go back and watch dark crystal i don't even remember what it was about i mean I vaguely remember but
3: yeah I, I might have it here in three or four different formats if you want to borrow yeah, one. sure Can Can I,
2: Can I, to la- <laughs> I would like
4: the laser disc please
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right what's next Jaime? next we have
5: the Westworld season three trailer which spoilers they say coming in 2020 so i said yep i can go ahead and <laughs> not hang on to hbo for the moment um but it's basically- all the money you're
2: saving Jaime. think of all the money you're saving Well, oh, he's gonna put right. that into would- other
3: streaming services that are coming
5: yeah That's like true. cbs all access for example like we'll we'll get my money inevitably you know with with other things we're going to talk about did,
4: did i hear that aaron paul is being cast in season three
5: that's right. Jesse Pinkston yeah. from Breaking Bad is the main character of this trailer, at the very least. I don't know what his role will be in season all three. Right. So I've
4: only watched the first half of season one, and uh, I just stayed away from it for whatever reason. And then um, I was busy watching all the other shows. And then I started to watch it, and I thought, this show is fantastic. And then I paused because everybody said season two sucked. And I thought, I don't want to invest so much into season one if season two is that bad. Can anybody corroborate or or count It wasn't
2: that, that bad. It was, it was different. I mean, the first season was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I even went back and watched the old uh, James Brolin and I forgot the name of the, other, the other Benjamin Dan, Ben, so not Ben, John Benjamin, David Benjamin uh, original movie with uh, um, Yul Brenner as the as the, the robot, um, and that was really cool. But but uh, yeah, it, the second the second season was different, but it wasn't horrible, right? Well, the first season was predicated kind of, on it, a
3: mystery, and the second season, once that mystery bubble had burst, I think a lot of people were looking for what was the great next mystery, and they tried to sort of work in a new mystery but it didn't have the same payoff yeah. mm-hmm. and i think yeah, that it definitely. was again i think it was expectations right once you put something on the table and we just talked about that for game of thrones once people had that on the table and then they were looking for something that was going to build on that it's it's hard it's hard work doing that kind of stuff building on something that you know has that kind of greatness to it uh and i don't think a lot of people were satisfied with where it went although you're right tim i think it was really good
2: mm. it's it's like kind of mr robot too once once you've seen season one what can they do how can they top that right yeah you know like club kind of stuff all right and you have some sad news from you for jonathan yeah it's sad year. news
3: for you tim and i know that uh there are fans I, I must admit i've only watched one episode of the series but uh we got the news this week that uh, humans uh is done so amc's uh, uh sci-fi series and
2: done of, they're not even doing a season four no
3: right? uh yeah season, season three was season pretty season bad three. The yeah, well there you go maybe that was the reason uh but yeah they, we got news that it's not going to be back uh, so i guess it's been airing on uh, channel four in the state in uh, the uk as well and uh so they've decided not to not to put any more money into that, so it's done. Yeah, it was a good show. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Did you enjoy all of it or just parts of it?
2: Well, like I said, the f- the first couple of seasons were really good, um, but, you know, and, and the, the characters, who, the, the actors who played the robots were really, really spot on. Even, even the girl, that went, who's the girl from um, Black Panther, the, the crazy scientist sister? She played, I think I told you oh, she Latisha played... Oh, Leticia, Wright? Yeah, she played a kid that was so enamored with the robots that she actually, you know, kind of identified with them so much that she even wore blue Contacts and became like acted like she was a robot mm-hmm. kind of thing or a human, whatever they call uh, them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, and it was, it, I read they were always trying to find their identities, and the, the, I think that was who they are and their creator and all that kind of stuff. And it just it got kind of weird, you know. Oh, yeah,
4: I read the quote from the corona creators who said that uh, he recognizes that there were some cliffhanger endings and that there are a lot of threads that were left hanging. So maybe one day they'll be able to fix it uh, and answer those questions. And they asked that if anybody out there had any money, I think they, they said a few million quid, <laughs> um, and you like AI, that they're all available to do it again. So, <laughs> Some, basically there's enough tech people out there who are interested in this who can afford that in a heartbeat so uh, so humans that's, is only yeah. gone off channel four
2: yeah
5: oh true that's true yeah 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 cool. Needs a save the expanse style campaign yeah <laughs> right for the for the fans it's doable I mean Amazon picked up that one right yeah that's
3: yeah, true yeah that's yeah, true yeah where was that so just, where was that when my firefly went off the air right yeah but then we got serenity that's true that's yeah, true that's yep. true
2: so I just finished reading Eric I's uh, autobiography and he talks a lot about spam a so which leads us into our next story. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: in a manner of speaking.
3: Yeah, so uh, in the fine tradition of uh, turning uh, a movie and other properties into uh, musical theatre, they're doing a Back to the Future musical yes! because, you know, money. Because money. Uh, because money. Oh, because yeah. money. Um, so this had been rumored for a while, and it is an interesting idea. Uh, it is now confirmed. It's happening. Uh, they're doing a 12-week engagement starting in February 2020 in London's West End. Um, I guess if you think about it. The movie does certainly have a lot of musical cues. Obviously, the Huey Lewis songs are very uh, key. Yeah, Johnny B. Good, yeah, and the Johnny B. Good piece, and the you know the dance scene at the end between uh, his parents. There are certainly musical cues, uh, but I'll be curious to see how they roll that whole thing into a an entire musical. Uh, any thoughts on whether that would make your radar for something to go to the theater for?
4: I, it's I mean it's so it's Alan Silvestri who did who composed the original and Back to the Future. But it's also Glenn Ballard, uh, who's an incredible songwriter, who is working with Alan on this. So I, I think it's going to be neat just to watch them reimagine some of this because um, they're next level. It is Bob Zemeckis and and, uh, and it's also uh, Bob Gale who are putting this together. Yep. Um, uh, so, which I think, is not, didn't they try to do this a bunch of years ago and couldn't get it?
3: They movie? did, yeah. They, they had talked about it in 2012, that it was something that they were working on. And then they actually scheduled it a, a premiere date, but it never happened. And it had sort of really been off the radar. I think everybody thought that idea was dead. And then it popped up this week as not only is it being resurrected, but it's being resurrected in like eight months. So wow. that's a pretty dramatic change from where they left it.
4: Dude, can you, it's a playing in Manchester, I think, right? And then, and which yeah. is one of the great musical cities in the world. So I uh, I can't wait to see who will pop on stage. Maybe they will have guests like in Toronto when they do the Nutcracker and yeah. uh, they have all these strange <laughs> guests appear in the party scene. This is what I'm hoping for in Manchester. Sean Ryder, Noel Gallagher, Liam Gallagher. I think this is going to be great. <laughs> Right.
3: Just not at the same time. You oh, can't put them on the stage at the same time. That is certainly true. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, again, who knows? There, there have been a lot of hits made out of these things, these other properties, and I guess the investment of all those those key players, it could be good.
4: Yeah, and it's Ollie Dobson, right? So Ollie was in a *Battle of Hell*. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so this person knows how he knows how to do this. That's playing the Michael J. Fox role of uh, of, of Marty. So clearly, uh, it is really high power talent. And I've mm-hmm. seen a, I've seen a bunch of these mm-hmm. musicals where they've recreated uh, IP and. Uh, most of them have failed. This one I think is actually going to be really fun. And I, I just saw um, Mike, Michael J. Fox the other day, and we were talking a bit about it. And uh, I, they think it's cool. He thinks it's going to be cool.
3: Nice. Yeah. Uh, our next bit, this dropped today. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this. So uh, we got this information from Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair dropped, and they do this, it seems every movie that comes out, Star Wars movies coming out, they send Andy Leibovitz to the set. She takes portraits and does set photos. And then they do uh, the sort of insider scoop piece on... What's going to be some of the things going on in, in the new movie? So, they're doing this for, uh, of course, the, la- the, the the last Skywalker. What's it called? Rise, rise of, Skywalker. of Skywalker. I wanted to call it the Last Skywalker, but that was the last movie. Last Rise of, the rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Some
2: return of the son of Skywalker. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, and so the pictures are beautiful. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at those. Of course, Annie is one of the most talented photographers in the world. Uh, but there's also kinds of little bits of news in here. So, you know, they talk about, you know, uh, you know they talk to uh, Isaacs, they talk to, uh, adam driver about you know what's going on in in uh, kylo ren's head they talked to daisy ridley about you know ray's journey uh, we got some clarity now we know that it takes place a year after the events of last jedi uh so you know some interesting stuff mixed in here with some some pretty cool photos and then uh some pictures that sort of show some new characters and some new locales uh it's a nice little 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 sneak preview
2: yeah so it looks like i have to buy several different covers and yeah of course you do as
3: usual yeah yeah <laughs> (laughs) What did you guys think of all this? Uh, There's some, the the weird horses seem to be back. Weird horses. Where is that? Uh, If you scroll down to the link that I put in the show notes, if you scroll down, there's a picture of uh, John Boyega and, um, and another actor and her name, that woman with the name. Yeah. yeah. Who are uh, riding these sort of weird horsey beasts with tusks. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, the visuals look really cool. Um, There are some sort of little sneak preview stuff in here, but uh, is it wet your appetite for anything more? Or did, you know, you guys are, I don't have to ask the three of you guys are locked for tickets anyways, <laughs> but, uh, do you think that, uh, anything in here intrigue you? I just think it's interesting
4: that they came back so quickly because they thought they were going to put the whole Star Wars universe on pause for a moment, uh, after mm-hmm. solo. And, uh, I guess they felt like they very quickly hit, um, saturation in the market, but I talked to some people who are, who are closer to it all. And they realized that the studio just really messed up the, the, the solo launch. And they think that if it was mm-hmm. done a little bit differently, that that movie, uh, would have had a bigger audience and then they would have maintained the output pace that they were on. And so there were a lot of people who thought that Star Wars would just pause for a moment. Um, yeah. And something changed internally, clearly, when they realized that they, that, that they there a market and an appetite for this now.
3: But we've talked about it on this uh, pod before, about the idea of sort of Star Wars exhaustion, the idea that they're rolling yeah. out a movie a year as opposed to one every three years, the way that they had over some of the other uh, parts of the franchise, George. what, what do you? What's your take on the idea that it's too much of a good thing?
4: I don't think it's... I think I think if your quality is high, you're going to just continue to do it. You know, I mean, how many Spider-Mans have come out? Even, you know, the the Spider-Man universe has changed dramatically watching the Avengers thing. I I personally uh, am fatigued beyond belief on on most of it. Um, (laughs) uh, What I'm looking for now is something really different. I think the conversation around Logan showed that there was an appetite for a different kind of film. And I I don't think Star Wars did different enough. And I think that they kind of fell behind the Guardians and the Avengers plan. Which was the, these were funnier movies. The audience wanted the same kind of thing. Star Wars didn't deliver that. So I think that Star Wars has got to find a way to keep up because that's what people want to see currently if they want to play in that space. Because just to say Star Wars, it'll get them a huge bunch of money, but it won't, it won't be the two billionaire, which is what everybody's posting now is the mark. Yeah. Um, so okay. I mean, either I totally get why there's fatigue because I don't think the show, the movies are that different and they're not that funny. And this is what people seem to want when they, when they get into a sci fi fantasy.
3: Yeah they're also, I think it's the issue, I think even with Avengers, which is extremely fantastical, there is a grounding to it. You know, they, they do try and keep a human element. I think the, the the Star Wars movies in the last few have felt very distant, very on a different plane and not necessarily grounded in, in as you say, humor and character and, and those things. It, it's very much about the universe.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they um, are being forced to do the one thing they've never had to do before, which is to do a complete rethink. Because they've been able to trade off the Star Wars thing for a long time, and now they're going to have to figure this. You, you talked about it: how there are new characters, uh, new animals, new worlds—like they, they've clearly realized that there has to be more um, because the, the name alone isn't going to be enough.
3: Yeah, and, and we'll talk about it as we get into the Game of Thrones discussion. But uh, yeah, the next movies that are coming in the Star Wars universe after this are created by Benioff and Weiss. Yeah, so okay. that'll be interesting to see what the reaction is to those, given how uh, the reaction to Game of Thrones finished up. So uh, a couple more things just to wrap us up on our headlines uh this one made me laugh so we're getting promotion for stranger things season three and one of the things that they're doing is some promotional crossover so apparently these are not uh, cash changing hands they're not necessarily product placement but as stranger things season three returns on netflix on the 4th of july uh they're setting it in 1985 one of the big events of 1985 was new coke Woo!
2: Yeah. Which doesn't need to come back ever,
3: please. So, in the spirit of that, the good folks at Coca Cola are bringing back new Coke. The
2: actual Coke recipe and all that? The
3: actual new Coke smoother recipe from 1985. This is
2: like bringing disco back. I'm sorry. I have to object. (laughs) It
3: will be available for a limited time this summer. Uh, Actually, I think it's available starting now and through the summer uh, as part of a sort of a, a promotional crossover because they expect so many people who never had a chance to experience experience new Coke, we'll wonder what the big deal it. was and we'll want to run to the store and get a new Coke.
4: Tim, are you going to crack one open just to test it to see if you're, if, uh, if you feel the same?
2: You know, I, I might, I mean, I, I grew up on Coke. I used to like buy a big, one of those big bottles of Coke every day yeah. and just, you know, go hang out at the park and do other things with, you know, that I need to quench my thirst. Right, that's right. But, um, yeah, I, I, the new Coke was just, it was, we were glad it went it was away a be- and they brought back it Coke, was a betrayal. Classic, they call it Coke classic. It right? was a
4: betrayal when it happened. Um, it was, <laughs> Yeah, it was if, yeah. if New Coke had had launched in the era of Twitter, people would have just been oh, killing themselves, birthing uh, kittens and like the anger would be so enormous. Um, but you remember the Onion article a little while back that said the U.S. Department of Retro warns that we are quickly running out of past. And yeah. this, is where, <laughs> this is where we're at when New Coke is coming back as a positive.
3: Yeah. I mean, are you old enough to remember New Coke? Yeah. I was going to tell Tim, it's like some of us
5: are old enough to remember Crystal pepsi oh yeah came out in the <laughs> 90s however uh given my age i cannot confirm nor deny whether i've ever had new coke because i really don't remember what happened when i was like five did you ever so did we
2: know what year that was that it came 85. out
3: 85 85 was eight. the year of, oh, of New 85. Coke. yeah <laughs> so i was four <laughs> So
4: <laughs> maybe did you ever have sarasota's or zima the other amazing oh, yeah. Yeah. something different yeah, yeah i've had zima yeah.
2: <laughs> but we have some real-time follow-up here uh, the actress that we're trying to remember the name of is her name is Naomi Aki and she plays a character called Jana in the new Rise of Star Wars. Oh, there you go. Star, she's the one in the portrait Rise with uh,
3: in the picture with Return John Boyega, of the son yeah. of
2: yeah. John Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: cool. Uh, Jana. And our last bit. I uh, just wanted to call your attention because I know I don't know if you guys have had a chance to catch up with this yet. But uh, Into the Spider Verse, the uh, Academy Award-winning best animated picture from this year, mm-hmm. is coming to Netflix next month. Uh, Yay! It was towards
2: the end of it. I saw half of it on the plane yeah. on the Hawaii, way to Hawaii, but uh, on the, on I loved it.
3: it. this was one of my very favorite movies probably my second favorite movie of last year maybe even my favorite movie of last year so uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch it again and I, I encourage you guys and everybody else to watch it I loved it I, uh,
2: you may not know this but the Strombo show starts almost every episode with the beginning soundtrack mm-hmm. from that movie that is correct
4: that is correct uh, Mike Sullivan who's our uh, been our engineer I've been working with him for almost 15 years this is uh, Spider-Man is his life Spider-Man in boxing at Sully's boxing gym in Toronto uh, and so uh, he is always trying to find a fit that in nice i loved it i, I gotta be honest with you, i loved it so much and I, I i've been so bored of uh superhero movies of late um i have my i have a major criticism of most of them most of them which is that none of the characters are real in that uh thor is tony stark is all the other characters is in that it's you know kind of funny kind of whatever there's no real character rules for them anymore mm. hulk has no mm-hmm. character they're just the same guy skinned differently um when i watched the spider Man into the spider verse that was a completely true telling of that world I thought yeah. it was so strong um and and, and, and fa- even if you weren't fans of this kind of stuff you you would love it because it it had a it had a story truth and a character truth that most modern films don't do uh, mm-hmm. in this world
3: I, I felt very similar to you George but I, for me it was the animation oh it was crazy I, cool. I love Pixar and I love dreamWorks and I love the work that those studios do but I I felt like there was a, a homogeny of animated work yep. that has really taken over the last few years and this was the first thing that really broke out for me it was such a dynamic and interesting it was truly a comic book come to life and for me that was the, the real breath of fresh air you're right it was a great human story it was a it was really uh well told in that way but for me it was just such a unique visual storytelling experience yeah
4: it looked really cool
2: i agree had they not done that kind of thing in the books before john
3: uh do you mean the story or the or the
2: well the sort of like coming out from left field with this sort of idea. Yeah, yeah. Because wasn't this a sort of unique way of telling the Spider-Man story?
3: Yeah, I mean, Miles Morales, the the lead character from the book, is a character in comics and has been for a while. Uh, so they've sort of adapted that. And, and even the idea of the Spider-Verse has been done in comics uh, in that form. Not that exact story, of course, but there is the idea that uh, each universe has its own incarnation of Spider-Man. The story, the person might be different, but the story is the same. It's the idea of with great power comes great responsibility. There's usually a tragedy that helps spark them to realize that they have a responsibility to do the right thing. Uh, and sort of that's the theme that runs through this movie and it's the theme that runs through those comic books. There are different iterations where there's a female spider uh, character or there's, you know, one who, uh, like Miles, is, is biracial. Um, there are ones that have, you know, different backstories. There are ones set in the past or the future. Um, but this one, it really brought uh, a really vivid and and very, very likable character together with miles and then a really fun supporting cast uh including a very funny nick cage uh moment as well so uh it really just sort of combined in a lot of the same way like it it did the right thing everybody at this point knows the spider-man story so it tells you the spider-man story in about 10 seconds yeah and just lets the story be what it is in the same way that batman should never be retold again just take it for granted that we have a certain amount of knowledge to bring to the table and and it was it was great they didn't beat us over the head they just told a good story yeah cool and now you can watch it on Netflix (laughs) yeah
5: yeah I was wondering about that and then I realized it's probably Sony's property under the movie rights
2: yep
3: I I thought about the same thing because I know we talked about how uh, Disney's contract is expiring and they're not going to put Captain Marvel on Netflix and the the, the deal is up I thought oh that's funny I thought that wasn't the night it occurred to me the exact same thing oh yeah that's right it's not a Marvel movie no
2: (laughs) oh right okay and Sony is not coming out with their own channel soon?
3: Oh, I'm sure they are.
4: I'm sure par- Push <laughs> Tim, they'll hear you. I'm sure it'll be yeah. part of the complete rethink of the PS5 or whatever they end up calling it. This is, <laughs> well, this they is- have their own production studio, right, George? <laughs> they do, and they have that. They have Sony Pictures Classics. They have their own distribution. They have this this rethink or everybody's talking about the rethink of this unit. I think that this unit, if they do it right, could be a real game changer, and, and maybe maybe this is where Sony launches their, their OTT player. I haven't heard any rumors to suggest that, but the sure they could build something into that unit
3: yeah well jaime's uh well on his way to collecting them all at least for a month at a time so nice yeah Sano style I've, <laughs> I've had
5: just about all the darn streaming services and there's new ones we talk about all the time i think at least once a month we're like oh guess what this other company's starting a streaming service yeah
3: we missed you last week buddy we, we talked about the, another like the disney complete acquisition of the the powers over hulu yeah. and all kinds of stuff And i was thinking oh jaime should be here for this <laughs> now yeah.
4: don't the marvel properties that were on netflix isn't there a part of, isn't there a condition which says they can't be repurposed on on another OTT player? So I don't even think Disney is able to do at least for seven years or something like that?
3: It, it was two. It was two was- two-year contract that basically says it's an exclusive to Netflix for two years after the completion of the final series. So I assume that's Jessica Jones. Right. So once Jessica Jones wraps, it's a two-year uh, moratorium on those, those characters. Okay.
2: Right. Do we have a new season, season coming up for Jessica Jones? Yeah,
3: that would be the final Marvel-Netflix crossover.
2: On, oh, Netflix. Oh, okay. okay
3: yeah, right. so that'll be the last one. And then once that's done, they'll exist as they are and there won't be any more. And they're selling off props. I saw a story last week. They're selling off the props for uh, Daredevil, which made me sad because I guess they're either going to make new ones if they come back to it or go somewhere completely different with it.
2: So for someone like me who's never seen a single episode of Daredevil, where do I I have to go now to see it?
3: It, It's staying on Netflix. They're not taking it off that I know of uh, because they own, they co-own, they co-produced it, right? So for them, they'll keep it on there as long as it's doing well Ratings wise, I wonder if at some point they will just kibosh it because uh, it is the enemy at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But then their financial investment in it—if it, again, if it's bringing revenue—they'll yeah. keep it going.
2: Yeah. So before we move on to the to the Game of Thrones, I, I'm curious. since I got George here. Um, George, what do you think about this death by a thousand cuts of having to have 27 subscriptions to all these different services? You know, we all wanted our we all wanted our cable services to be a little bit more open in terms of what we could watch. But now it just seems like we're going to spend way more money on TV. shows shows, and we were before. We,
4: we, and we always were, guys, because um, in Canada, especially, all the TV players who were losing audience on network are also the same people who control your access to the internet. They are, they're all the ISPs. So they were never in a million years going to let us get away with anything. And everybody started to champion at the idea of a la carte cable, but this is all this is at a la carte. And if you start looking at the, the new prices for Netflix, they went up like three or four bucks, right? Mm-hmm. You It's going to cost you triple to have all this stuff. And if somebody doesn't figure out sports rights properly, I know Dazen's doing it, but if somebody doesn't figure out sports rights properly, if you want to get your NBA package, your NFL, NHL, and all that, it's going to cost you a fortune. And, and all that's going to do is drive an enormous amount of people right back to downloading. They're going to find their, their mm-hmm. own system. And I know there's tons of free streamers out there right now uh, and, and third-party um, hardware pieces that you can watch all these channels. And they had an opportunity to be consumer-friendly, and they just decided not to be. And people are going to have to choose one or the other and share passwords like all my friends do.
3: Yep.
2: <laughs> so what, do you, what does that do for you, Jaime, in the States with the sports packages and stuff? Yeah.
5: Um, live sports was a big reason why I kept Comcast uh, as the TV provider for a very long time. Uh, since moving um, almost almost a year ago, I've, over the last several months, been using YouTube TV for largely the same kind of functionality, but way nicer. And it's also something I can just easily shut off without having to call customers support wait for an hour and beg to turn off my account right Oh, so right okay
2: there's
5: yeah. a, there's a, an aspect to it where you know, even where though I'm not very you? happy that it will be ten dollars more in like three weeks from now um, I have the option of switching over to like Hulu's live TV package for that sort of thing and so hoping competition of some sort will keep that relatively sane even though I, I do fully acknowledge that live sports are a huge huge money driver for for live TV and so I imagine I will always have to pay or do without
2: mm-hmm. so what is what does YouTube TV cost you in the States? I want to say it's like 40 bucks right now is going up to 50
5: the next wow. billing cycle. Wow. How many channels yeah, do added, you get with They have a
3: few more channels. Sorry. How many channels is that? Like
5: a bazillion. It's, it's a huge number. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty comparable to a, a cable TV package, except you don't really have to play games to get the full HD quality. And with YouTube in particular, it's really good about giving you unlimited uh, PVR capability. Right. So there's like no reason not to just like tap the plus sign on anything that you're even vaguely remotely oh, interested right. in.
2: That's great. So what do you do in the States, George, when you're down there?
4: Um, like like Legally, I use Apple TV, and that's all I'm (laughs) going to say. Um, (laughs) I have – yes, I watch – yeah, I I, I try not to watch too much television there, except most of the stuff I'm watching is on Netflix uh, and and Amazon Prime, and I'm using my Apple TV to connect me to all of that stuff, so I'm I'm using it that way. Um, I have – I just signed up for the YouTube premium version up here, but I have not switched to YouTube TV. Um, I didn't really spend that much time – truthfully looking into it, but now that you're saying that, that, that sounds interesting to me. I might look at it. I'm I, I have my cable package here, which I'm waiting and my cable package will be cancelled the moment the Raptors get eliminated. So it's <laughs> I only have a cable in, in, in my home in Toronto right now for the NBA playoffs. And as soon as that's over, I uh um and I hope that's another two and a half weeks, um I'm going to I'm going to cancel my cable right after that.
3: All right. Mental well, note talk Raptors with George in after show. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: for sure we should
2: have talked we should open with the raptors we like we did last week that's true um seemed to do seem to do well for them actually actually they lost last week when we talked about them so maybe they, they did maybe they we were should.
3: winning you you called me out and asked how they were doing i'm like well they're winning in the third and yeah they collapsed and lost but still yeah. they're they've mm-hmm. they've drawn back they're back even again so we'll oh, see absolutely so, so fun. fun yeah
2: all right let's move on to our the main part of our show here today which is talk about game of thrones the finale oh my god i can't believe it's over the iron throne
3: so we pick up where we left off uh, king's landings a wreck uh uh the unsullied are, are murdering their prisoners in the streets uh Jon is aghast Tyrion is aghast uh Tyrion goes and discovers his brother and his sister are dead Jamie and Cersei are dead uh Daenerys gives a speech that looks very much like something that uh, Hitler or Mussolini would have done mm-hmm. uh and saying that she's going to uh take over the rest of the world uh, and fr- free the rest of the world from the ty- uh, tyranny uh, tyranny of of uh, other people uh, uh, yeah, sure. Tyrion says, uh, "Yeah, not. I'm not on board with that." And throws away his uh, his hand. hand symbol and uh, and is arrested. He ends up basically being imprisoned as a, as a traitor. Uh, John and uh, John has a discussion with Tyrion and has a discussion with Arya about you know uh, the the turn of events and what they've just witnessed. And uh, then has this very very amazing scene where they they're basically in the throne room. Daenerys has the the vision just. Like her vision from season two, where she walks into the throne room and you know the, the ash is falling, and she walks over to the throne, and this time she actually puts her hand on the iron throne and she gets this sort of maniacal look on her face that she's, she's almost licking her lips, you know. Yeah, like she's she's really into it, and then John shows up before she can sit down. They talk about, you know, what what this means and and what she's done. And uh in in a in a scene that only one of us could have predicted last week, uh he John stabs her and, and kills her before she can carry out her... So, wait, they
2: they embrace, right? So, George, we always have this issue with Jonathan because he can see through plot lines (laughs) (laughs) hours ahead of the rest of us, but... So I called it last embrace... week. I'd like
3: to point out, I called the, exactly what happened in last week's episode. Really? I did. Oh, okay. You said, what's going to happen? And I said, John is going to kill Danny, and then he's going to end up in the North. I had no yeah, idea how. See, I, knew, I did I, not call Bran, but I did call those two things.
4: I, th- I knew yeah. he was going to kill Danny, but I, I loved how John uh, did the right thing. He gave her every opportunity. Yeah. Every opportunity. And then John got banished to the North, um, which is exactly what was going to happen, because what's real life like? guys real life is no good deed goes unpunished and if you do it honorably right. and you do it right you're gonna get screwed in the end and it, it, he ends up right back where he started because that's how the world really works and yeah. I, I love mm-hmm. that they did that to John
3: yeah so I, I want to circle back to that so that's a really good point George I'm gonna circle back to that so so the there's the death scene uh, which which then leads to Drogon the dragon uh basically senses that something has happened to his mother comes out up into the throne room, looks down, sees Daenerys on the floor, gives her a couple of pokes, realizes she's dead, looks like he's going to scorch Jon, which would have been and really which, a cool wait, moment. The screen
2: should have gone black and the show should have been over. Yeah,
3: yeah. It uh, <laughs> was a kind of a cool moment. He sort of gives Jon a sniff and then sort of lets out this bellow of rage and, and melts the Iron Throne. You know, wow, what a subtle metaphor. Um, and It wasn't
2: very accessible, I have to say, yeah, first of all.
3: Uh, and then picks up Daenerys' body and flies off towards the east uh and then we cut to black or fade to black and then we pick up our story weeks later we don't have a sense but we get that pretty quickly that it's weeks later wasn't
2: it five years later i thought it was five years later you thought it was what five years later like, no no mm, that was a different Avengers. movie Oh, sorry. Uh,
3: so we we only can judge it by beard time john's beard is longer Tyrion's <laughs> beard is longer they look a little bedraggled. we'll say yeah three weeks later uh the idea is that all the lords and ladies of uh, westeros have gathered in the dragon pits to discuss what's to be done with Jon Snow and what's to be done with Tyrion and how they decide what should happen to the throne now that uh, both Cersei and Daenerys are dead. And uh, so they have this discussion where somehow Tyrion, who is a prisoner of, uh, of Grey Worm at this point, he somehow is the one who ends up deciding how the, the, the king is chosen the by sort of saying, you know, yeah, we should, you know, we should all meet like this. We should have a discussion. And he basically uh proclaims that that whoever has the best story should win and that bran stark as bran the broken should be the ruler of the kingdoms uh so they have the little you know discussion there's some good you know, we'll talk about some of the little side conversations there afterwards but they have some good little side conversations and then they all agree with the exception of sansa who says uh you know i agree that he should be the king but not of our area the north will remain independent and right. so she at that point is essentially declaring herself queen of the north uh Uh, And so as I thought for sure she was going to say, I'll do it. Yeah. Well, there was a, again, there's a funny moment. We'll talk about that with her uncle and and there's some, there's some good stuff in there to get into as we, as we wrap this up. But uh, so uh, Brian, of course uh, they nominate him. He accepts, but he accepts on the condition that Tyrion is going to be his hand. Uh, Because as George said, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make me the King, then you get to be my hand. Uh, And then we sort of fast forward into this, you know, now, you know, there, Rebuilding King's Landing, everybody's moved in. I don't know how much more time is supposed to be in there. Uh, and uh they basically are are into a into this what's the what do they call it in Wayne's world? The happy ending, the very happy ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they basically give everybody a happy ending. So Grey Worm sails off with the unsully for Noth. Uh Tyrion re- reorganizes the King's Council with uh Brienne and Braun and Davos and Sam are all on the new council. Uh Sansa gets to go up north and she becomes Comes the queen Arya goes off to explore and uh and john as his punishment for uh murdering the queen is sent to join the night's watch back to the no- night's watch what he's watching for we can discuss as well and uh he is reunited with his beloved ghost uh and
2: who he pets this time I'll who he
3: actually it. acknowledges which is a nice touch and uh and then he and Tormund and the rest of the wildlings head north of the wall so i guess he's not part of the Night's watch uh so yeah this sort of weird surprisingly happy ending for the show Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. loved it i'm like the only one (laughs) in the
4: world who loved pretty
3: much all of it
4: (laughs) that last episode so why what
3: was what was it that 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 worked for you
4: because the starks were the people that we were the the the, the starks were universally rooted for by everybody around the world they were the starks and when they killed ned in the very beginning of this this whole series people were beside themselves and all the starks had these incredible journeys they went through incredible pain and in the very end the Starks are the ones that should rule above all because they're the right family, and they did it. And you know, we're talking about independence, and the North was never part, uh, should never been ruled by Cersei or by her pops or anybody. So uh, that or Robert, so that had to happen. So all the things that should have happened happened in my mind. And, and Danny, when people freaked out that Danny went bananas, it was like her her dad was the Mad King, her brother was mad, uh, and she, above all these things, thought she had a divine. Right to the throne. Anybody in the history of the world who thinks they've had a divine right to the throne is mad and causes incredible carnage. So Danny, like history has already told us what was going to happen, uh, you know, at this stage of Game of Thrones. And I love the fact to your point that, you know, Tyrion, you've got to be what you always wanted to be or what you always deserved, which was to be the person who controls, um, King's Landing. He was the one Lannister that never got any respect in that town. True. And he finally, because, you know, the Kingslayer, ultimately is the Queen Slayer as well because he brought her down there. So Tyrion, the one guy that never got the family love, gets control of the town ultimately. And the brand, the broken thing, by by making this a king that would be humble. Also, this king can fly. Amazing. So, right, there's, to <laughs> me, the only thing I didn't like about it was the dragon business because I was just like, okay, for real, now the dragon what? Um, I didn't, th- that didn't do it for me. Uh, I thought the killing was amazing. Um, the weird two-week jump, I agree, was a bit strange. But the way all the characters, characters got it at the end. I loved it. I loved it. The mountain could not, or the hound could not kill the mountain. So they had to die together to set this up. All the things that needed to happen. Had, and there's no finale season that I've ever seen that is anything other than, hey, let's just tie some bows. There's no finale seasons. Can't actually move story. They just got to start tying things up. And I, and, and I, I thought that they did a pretty decent job of it. And I loved the, the way this, Now I thought Sansa, you know, is the rightful queen. And the fact that she gets to run the North, perfect, where she belongs. Yeah. my tribe.
3: (laughs) Gentlemen. I'm going to go uh,
5: with George on this one, which I acknowledge is also kind of against the grain in that I did like the finale episode. I think issues I end up having with it are largely predicated on issues with this last season in particular. Right. So if you just say, okay, we've got this final episode, you got to work with what you've got now go. And I think they did a pretty good job of, of doing that. And subsequent rewatching before the subscription ran out, um, (laughs) largely, <laughs> rewatched uh we started rewatching from season 1 and, and you know skipping parts that we didn't you know need to see again or um you know going and seeing best scenes and we largely saw almost the entire series again and rewatching it in sort of semi binge mode, it's like, oh yeah, they actually spend a lot of time showing us Brand's opinion about stuff really early on. And so the the coming out of left field for Brand is really only if you haven't been rewatching these things, which I admit I haven't. Right, I have not like done the seasonal re binge like like some folks do. Right, like every season that comes out, they start watching all of them again. And and I think I appreciated Brand uh, Brand the Builder here <laughs> and Brand the uh, Brand the Broken as um, being. The right choice for many of the reasons that we're talked about here.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I have a clip here. I don't know if I just saw this just before we started recording about an hour ago, and um, it's Gwendolyn. I don't remember her last name. Christy. And uh, and uh, the Waldo guy talking about talking to um, Mario on Extra about their predictions. And and I'm, I don't know when this was shot or whatever, but it was shot well before. The, I think sometime around season six or seven. And she predicts that like you know. They're all going, Well, it's gonna be Danny or it's gonna be John or whatever. This is what um what's Costoraldo's first name Nicolai. again? Nikolai. Nikolai, Jamie, the guy who plays Jamie, yep. he um, he was saying that uh, that you know he thought it was you know the, the obvious choices, right? It's going to be Jon, it's going to be the he thought it, actually the, the Night King was still around, so he thought the Night King might be the one that kicks ass in the long run. But she says in the in this clip, if you watch it, that she she says why do we think it has to be somebody like that? Why can't it be somebody from left field like Bran, <laughs> right? And she says you know all this sort of stuff that he's been doing all along uh, has been lead, could lead him to be the right choice to. Lead to, to lead the the seven kingdoms, right? And the last thing that that um, I, what's his name again? Nikolai. 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 Yeah. Nikolai. The last thing Nikolai says is, um, so then he he made uh, Jamie push him out the window, and she says, yeah. So this is why I've got this link here saying she got all timey wimey on this thing because, like, how do we know that it wasn't Bran in his own sort of way forcing this whole future to happen? I mean,
4: like a, like a Judas Iscariot, he was destined to be a trigger, you know? It yeah. Be, yeah. But, mm. but Brand mm-hmm. is the reason that the whole thing went ape in the first place. So right. yeah. it, 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 it does make, make sense. I mean, didn't Vegas have brand number one, which led they, speculation? They
3: did. That's a great, great discussion is, is so for the longest time, uh, and they did have open betting on this in Vegas, brand was at an astonishingly high level of, of bet. And everyone was like, why, 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 why? The, uh, you know, the, 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 favorites were, you know, of course, John and Daenerys, Ari Asansa, you know, they were sort of the obvious players and brand was sort of a left field bet in a lot of people's minds but not Vegas's which makes you have to wonder you know again it takes hundreds and hundreds of people to produce these shows did someone at some point talk is you know like Vegas gets these things totally, right? Uh, right totally
4: yeah. somebody some because Vegas isn't smart in, in terms of they're not like thoughtful they got they just they're in the information business I think you're totally right somebody said something
3: yeah mm, it, it just seems right. so random yeah. and to be so bang on at the odds they had it at it, like it was not good odds. It wasn't like a fifty to one long shot. It was like four to two or something. Like it was, it was something really, really low.
2: Mm, interesting. Yeah. I have another clip here too from uh, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, have I got
4: her name right? OAC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the greatest.
2: Yep. 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 Yeah. Anyway, AOC, so we, AOC, AOC, Okay. Sorry. So the, yeah, Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator AOC. I'm just going to say Congresswoman. 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 Oh, Congresswoman. Okay. They were talking about the, the last episode too, and and of course they're they're saying like, of course it's going to. This show is. Like written by men, oh my God! No wonder Sansa doesn't end up in the top chair, right? Mm. But yeah, it's an interesting little clip there if you watch the two of them go on about that because because I, I saw a tweet earlier this week and, and I totally agreed with it that Sansa won the popular vote, but uh, Bran had the electoral college.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Sansa That's got complete it. independence and actually formed her own country. I, don't, I think AOC and Liz Warren are completely off base here. <laughs> Sansa is the real <laughs> winner because she true. got to so keep the So when her New,
3: home. New England secedes from the United States and joins us here. In in the north they'll we'll know what that is. That's exactly right. I think it parallels Scotland actually, or maybe even Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah. That's probably closer, yeah. Yeah. So okay, I have some questions. I'm gonna throw these out to the okay. to the group and we can discuss. So yeah.
2: uh Oh wait well, before we do that we I do have to acknowledge again what, so one thing the best my the, my favorite moment in this entire thing mm. there's a couple of favorite moments but my favorite moment in this entire thing was when the uncle gets up and says <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have the most experience at this I should be the one running and 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 Sans says to him, uncle, sit. Yeah. And he looks over at everybody else and they're all looking around. They're laughing at him openly. Not not making eye contact. And then she just, she with her head, she gestures to the chair (laughs) and she tilts down. Yeah. Typical, like a mother would do that, right? Yeah. So that was my favorite scene. Yeah. This Mm. is amazing.
3: (laughs) Yeah. No, that was a a lovely moment of levity in a, a, you know, an otherwise sort of tense kind of thing. For sure. So hit us with your questions. Okay. Well, first I'm going to throw out mine. I'll throw in my two cents and then then we'll get to our questions. So yes. uh, I, I must admit, I kind of agree with you guys. I didn't think it was bad. I think uh, I think I have more issues overall with the last two seasons overall than I do with the finale. I don't think the finale was the problem. I think it was, as we talked about in previous episodes, is the pacing issue, right? We knew that uh, Benioff and Weiss have other other work to do. We know the actors wanted to get on with it. HBO would have taken 10 more seasons of this if they could have. Uh, but the reality is that you can't stretch those things out. Actors don't want to work on the same projects for this long, especially the ones who have established themselves as you know now A-list stars as they want to go do other things. Uh, so we were going to get where we we're going to get. We're going to get seven se- seven episodes last season. We're going to get six episodes this season. It's impossible to properly capture the turns of events that they had, adequately explain how Daenerys is feeling and not have a field rush when, you know, there are whole seasons about it taking somebody from point A to point B in previous seasons to have somebody turn on a dime on some of these things. We were never going to be totally happy. And so that would be my only sort of mark against this whole series and its final episodes is that i could see why people are frustrated with the decisions that people made and the accelerated timeline yes it makes it seem very rash or sudden or unexpected but again if you follow the through line especially as as you know guys were talking about going back and watching the earlier episodes and watching how daenerys acts how bran acts how john acts their their conclusions are true to who they are from the beginning of the series onward it's not perfect but it's damned good
2: mm. Mm-hmm, for sure. We have to wait for the extended box set. I'm sure there's like a lot of cutting room stuff, like, you know, the reaction to the Sansa and, and, um, Aria learning about John and all that kind of stuff. We uh, didn't see that.
3: Yeah. And again, it's, it's some of those things they probably just didn't do because again, you know, if you've only got 80 minutes to tell a story, you know, they, the highest quality, like this is some of the best television that has ever been put on television as far as agreed. Filmmaking. These people made mini movies every week, especially this last couple mm-hmm. of seasons. This is television on a, on a scale we've never, ever seen before. And we've also,
4: we're in the, the era where everybody in the audience thinks they can write it better. And because of Twitter, everybody goes bonkers and they, and they try and they create these bullshit momentum waves uh, because we're in an era where people just want to tweet while they're watching the show. Yep. That, that, I think yep. that's <laughs> what I think. Well, this was, uh, my friend Bob Backwoods uh, said today that he thought that Game of Thrones um, was the first television series that turned the audience into auteurs. Where yeah, everybody, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody felt like, well, they would have done it differently, and and I get it. But I, I I'm with you. I don't think that anybody else would have got the. The only finale I've ever seen that's been perfect in my estimation has been Breaking Bad.
3: Breaking Bad. Absolutely. You know, that was I thought yeah, in Mash, yeah. of course,
4: but Breaking Bad was amazing. uh The Game of Thrones. Oh, you're right. How could they have? T- how else could they have done this?
3: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that caught me off guard about this finale as a finale was that it did not end in more tragic fashion because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what this show has always been about. So Subverting expectations. I guess the subversion in the grandest scale is that Jon decides he has to kill Danny, and so they felt that was sufficient as far as subversion, and they gave everybody else a very happy send off. That is my only surprise in all this is that we didn't get more tragedy. The fact that they actually gave Braun Highgarden, the fact that they actually gave Sam his dream job of being a maester in, in King's Landing, the fact that, you know, so many, you know, Brienne gets to be the captain of the King's Guard, you know, that. Every- you know, Sansa gets her crown. John gets to go live in, in the North with the people he loves and live the kind of life he wanted. I'm surprised that everybody got so many happy endings for a show that was constantly... Mm-hmm. And we talked about the term last week, Tim. Agony porn at times. Like, it was yeah, yeah. it was hard to watch some of that stuff. So that's my only sort of surprise in all this is that we didn't end up with more... And that person died of dysentery two weeks later. Yeah.
5: <laughs> well, that's how they subverted your expectations by not subverting your expectations. That's, honestly, oh, I mean, oh, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's
3: bang on. Like. I think we were so set up to expect the worst that when it didn't, again, I, when it faded to black, I was like, huh, they didn't all die.
5: Well. Expectations subverted.
3: I could not. I you could, thought, oh man, they killed Sean Bean in the first season. So
2: yeah. I'm sure Brandon probably
4: planned it this way, you know? From the start. I could not have, yep. I could not have handled, see, for a moment, I thought that when the white horse showed up in the second last episode, I thought that Arya was dead and this was, yeah. Uh, yeah. This was so I thought, oh, well, you killed Arya, that will make me mad, but they didn't kill her, kill her because they, they realized that we couldn't handle it. Right? Yeah. So so they we wouldn't let well, us. Where see
2: was it. the horse in the beginning of this episode?
4: Yeah.
3: I think it finally died after about 50 feet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cinders probably took it apart for sure. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so here's a couple of questions for you guys. So, uh, we talked about the scene where they're in the throne room. John makes the decision. He stabs Danny. Danny dies. Drogon, who we established right before that scene is sleeping in, or becoming a snowbank downstairs, screams from down below. John thinks, ruh He, uh, Drogon shows up in the throne room, gives Danny a poke. So, are we supposed to? Infer from this that Drogon is a very intelligent creature, has this connection, psychic or otherwise, to Danny. Knew when she died, and then in that moment made the decision: I'm mad, so I'm going to burn anything around me, or I'm mad specifically because I knew that Danny was about this throne, and I wanted to melt the throne. Are we supposed to get that that's a random act or a purposeful act?
4: I have yeah. I have thoughts on this, which but I can't wait. anybody want to go first?
2: Or yeah, so first of all, I want to say. That my dog can recognize the sound of my car as my wife drives up to the house, so he has this sixth sense—a sense around him. Right. He—I don't know what, if it, if it's just the, the Honda CRV tuning or something weird about it, but he knows when she's driving up the road to the house. So that's the, that explains Drogon's connection to her, to, to Danny. You know, I assume. And he was acting like a dog. He was—he was sort of poking at mom. Hey, mom, I, you know, I need another bone, kind of thing, right? But why the the throne? I mean, uh, the fact. After he looked at John again. Comes back to that whole half Targaryen thing. You know, I can't burn you because you're one of me or one of the clan or whatever, right? right? So
3: does he? Does he not burn John because he's a Targaryen? Does he not burn John because he realized that John did what had to be done? I see. it no, no, no. He, no he, he, I don't go that far. No, no it's
2: instinctual. He didn't burn him because he's he's a Targaryen, and I don't know why he burned the throne. To be honest with you, but you know that was just pathetic. What do you call it? Um, the, pathetic. Uh, justice
4: or whatever. Symbolism. I, I I think there's two ways that, that I would look at. this which is that that Drogon, which is the laziest name ever for a dragon, (laughs) Drogon um, uh, either looked at the throne and said, if she can't have it, nobody can, right? Right? The other part of me is that Drogon did not probably looked at it and went, "That, that throne is why she's dead. Her chase for that throne is why she's dead. And that was his final way of of just kind of, again, wiping that off and then taking her away. I think I think that, that that dog was intuitive.
3: Yeah. So this this leads me to a, a sort of a reflection. So if we're to infer that he's that intelligent, which I don't, you know, I think in, in previous works of fantasy fiction, we've established that dragons can be very intelligent. I guess it makes me think back to the previous episode where she was like, hey, let's go torch some children and, and people like that. Is, are we supposed to infer from that that he was on board with the torching of the children and the people, or that the, he gave no active thought to that? Was he just obeying, or was he following orders? Was he just following orders?
2: I think like a dog, though, he's, he, she says fire, he says fire, right? So, you know what I mean? Like a, like a dog is trained to sit or roll over, you know, like she gives him one word commands, you know? But it can't it can't
3: acts. be as simple as, as you know, she gives him one word commands and he follows if he is also capable of the pathos of, I'm going to destroy a throne. Because
2: it, but he doesn't look at a kid and say, I'm not going to burn that. That's an innocent child. He just goes fire, you know? So I don't really ascribe to the, uh,
5: more intelligent dragon theory here, but let's follow it since it's been product. If we follow the more intelligent dragon hypothesis, um, I think Drogon given his actions throughout the series is clearly on board with murder and mayhem. Like it's part of his whole being and distinguished him from Viserion and Rhaegal who didn't cause as many problems as he did. Right. He was the dragon who like flew off and like killed kids and, and sheep and stuff, and Daenerys couldn't even get a hold of him and control of him for a while. He's he's the rebel. He's the Anakin Skywalker to her Palpatine of like kills. <laughs> but by yeah, that I'm, rationale, could okay not he this. have
3: been the one most likely to look at Jon and say, "You just killed my rider. It's 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 go time."
5: I, I'm not even sure he he knew that. Like, if we go the 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 smart dragon route, then yes, I think he would know it. And which is why I don't go down. I think, oh, he's more like uh, like to mention like like a dog where like he knew somehow whether it's magic empathic or just like hey i've got this freaky sense that something bad let me go see what's going on with mom he goes he's like oh my gosh she's dead he absolutely is filled with rage like i have to kill or destroy something he looks at john and is like i want to but i can't for reasons we can discuss what those reasons (laughs) are and and this is like okay this this throne is irritating me i'm going to destroy (laughs) this thing very similar to my own little dog who when he gets upset he's like i gotta go chew my new nylon bone i just gotta this misdirected. aggression has to be taken out on something
2: and jonathan you own a dog like don't you know that you train your dog in one room he goes into another room that all the all bets are off whether he'll follow the training
3: i would say that my dog may be just a smidgen better uh organized of the mind than yours
2: well, no my mine is mine's crafty he's tricky he's tricksy yeah
3: yeah no mine is uh he's a simple creature as long as he's got a comfortable place to sleep he's he's pretty good he's pretty good all right i i want to follow yeah i want to follow this one up with the next inevitable question so Oh, John's in the throne room. The dragon picks up Daenerys, flies off into the into the distance. He's now standing in the throne room with a pile of melted metal and uh, blood all over his hands. And uh, so the queen is dead. He literally must have walked out of that room, gone downstairs, and confessed, right? <laughs> yeah,
4: or, or, or or Grey Worm was yeah. Grey Worm was yeah Grey Worm. There's was no there.
3: there's no evidence. Like there, there's nothing that could connect it to him. He could have just gone downstairs and said, "Listen, I don't know what to tell you guys. Danny's dead. She was sitting on the throne. Drogon came up." upstairs burn the throne stabbed down there in the chest go upstairs yeah. and look. no i don't have to say stabbed her in the chest <laughs> he stabbed her in the chest she, she <laughs> Just was in case she brings her back she was sitting yeah really in case he dropped her like 10 feet away from the wall um yeah he, he literally could have gone downstairs and said hey shh. she was sitting in the throne drogon sneezed uh next thing i know there's a and pile no of melted no. metal i told her no yeah and you know and my poor aunt i mean a girlfriend i mean queen is dead and instead he must have clearly walked to the bottom of the stairs and said hey Grey Worm, put me in shackles, I've just killed the queen. Can we talk about how dumb that
4: is? But John would do that, right? The man of honor. John followed Danny right to its 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 absolute last moment. John's not that smart. He's just instinctive. So I think that he he I mean also John is let's be honest, died once. So he's a different yeah. kind of he's a different kind of person. So he honor is such a big thing to him that he would probably walk down and said to Grey Worm, I did it to save us all. I did it because I had to.
3: Yeah. And how in that moment does Grey Worm not just immediately kill him. Yeah, no, no. That's the part I like. How at that point is the, are they like, you know what? They are the ones in power. Tyrion's not there. There's no more Jorah. There's no more Missandei. Nothing is stopping the Unsullied and the Dothraki. How in the hell would the Dothraki and the Unsullied not have just ripped him to shreds on the spot as opposed to being like, all right, you're going to your room for a while, Jon Snow, because you know nothing.
4: Is it possible that Grey Worm deep down understood this and he understood what... Danny did was wrong and he he had a moment or of his of his own personal growth where he just kind of went, okay, I have to kill you because you are, or I have to bring you to justice because you, you killed our queen. But deep down, he knew that this carnage was unnecessary.
3: Yeah, but 10
2: minutes ago, he was
3: slicing yeah, He was throat throat literally the slicing the throats down on the street before that. And Jacob Anderson, in that scene when he's got Tyrion at the dragon pit and they're talking about Jon Snow's fate, mm-hmm. uh, as Grey Worm, is playing the hell out of like, I am so mad I could spit.
4: You guys, we do know... we've all had that moment we're in the moment of a battle and we just can't see clearly and we finish the killing and then we come to our senses
3: (laughs) that happens at least every other weekend really that's right All right, topic number three, and this is my favorite. How harsh was it that they had to bring up Bran's dick at the Dragon Pit
2: meeting? <laughs> <laughs> that was the best meme I saw all week. Yeah, so I also saw I saw somebody somebody said they don't watch Game of Thrones, but calling him Bran the Broken is like politically incorrect.
3: Yeah, it, yes, that's true. And it's funny because they they deliberately call him that. Like, I, I get that Tyrion using that as uh, an understanding of why his story is good. But then to keep referring to him, to his face as Bran the Broken after that seemed a little unnecessary, but not as unnecessary as them pointing out that his dick doesn't work anymore. And by the way, his sister, no less, right? Yeah! His yeah. sister, how no would she less. know? Yeah. Did that come up? I mean, he was really kind of keeping to himself up in, in uh, Winterfell. At what point were they like, but by the way, uh, we know your back and your legs don't work properly anymore. Can we talk about your dick? Yeah. You know I want to publish this <laughs> show, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can bleep those ones. I I just, I I laughed out loud at the moment because it's meant to be a little bit, a little bit funny, Uh, but man, harsh. Like they're literally, and then like two minutes later, the dude is named King of the Six Kingdoms. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, The other one I have is, so part of the discussion in the last season, two seasons ago, was that the Greyjoys, uh, Theon and Yara, go across the sea to Essos to meet with Daenerys. And they basically say, uh, our uncle Euron has taken over the Iron islands we want to get them back we'll pledge our forces to you and in exchange we'd also like to be an independent kingdom again and Daenerys says cool I can do that and then somebody says to their well what if the other ones want to be independent she says they can ask <laughs> so then we get to the dragon pit and they're having this discussion about who should be the king and Sansa says you know what I'm out I don't want to be part of your party anymore I am the queen of the north I'm out how at that point does Yara not also stand up and go ditto and the prince of Dorne which if 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 anybody's read the books, Dorne was the longest holdout in joining the Seven Kingdoms. They lasted a hundred years after everybody else, and actually fought so hard that they got to keep the honorific of princes and princesses of Dorne, even though they are they are part of the they are subjects of the kingdom. How did they not all in turn stand up at that point and go, hey, how about we just dissolve the kingdom? True, yeah. That's a good point. I mean,
4: maybe because they didn't all um, feel the way Sansa did about the North. The North that they thought was special. Um, that's my own only- thinking but you're right otherwise I, I can't think of a good reason why they wouldn't accept that uh, they put so much energy into developing Sansa as the future queen that uh, they didn't put enough time into that they didn't yeah. develop that part enough
3: yeah it just feels like it feels like one of those sort of glaring pl- plot holes that we'll never get a real resolution to i imagine uh, george rr R. martin when he when he if 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 he finally finishes his last couple of books uh may sort of wrap up to more satisfying sense but that one yeah. really stepped out for me as you know how does sansa get the the nerve to stand up and say, you know what, I'm out, and not have everybody else go. Why didn't we think of that?
2: Well, she's bran's sister, so yeah. But Yara
3: had like... already made the play for independence. I'm surprised she wasn't the first to one Danny. to stand up to Danny. So why wouldn't she do it in this case? Like, what by what right would somebody be able to say no? As a matter of fact, I'm surprised it lasted those three weeks in between before all those places didn't go. By the way, we're free now. Like we're our own country again.
5: Yeah, I think with the uh, the Iron Islands and Dorne, there might be some weaknesses, particularly post war to consider where uh now a whole bunch of the iron fleet was blown up yeah and the iron islands like they they go out and raid and pillage because they really can't grow much on the islands themselves so they're kind of dependent upon that they're not self-sufficient yeah and i also wonder if dorn so trade is like you're the saying? guy the guy from dorn was like a dude because um i forget her name uh like laria sand i forget what her name was like had killed like the right for ruler and she herself was and her daughters were all taken care of like the whole lineage has been broken up in Dorne yeah so dude number five from Dorne is probably like yeah I'm okay being a lord of my little area and not, yeah. <laughs> and not pushing for
3: independence because
5: I who knows what my situation is going to be like right yeah now.
3: uh all right last question what would they have had to have offered to Bron after giving him Highgarden to come back and live in King's Landing and work as, as the master of coin
2: yeah and why him as master of coin what does he know about finances
3: yeah I mean we, we can talk again more about the the small council that whole makeup how did how how did uh uh sam end up going from i quit the citadel to i am now grand maester inside the the uh you know the, the, the red keep now how did that happen in three weeks he's he's got a chain <laughs> on he's got robes on he's yeah, yeah. he's on the small council like how, in three weeks
2: and he, has, he hasn't shaved at all like he hasn't aged at all right so it's obviously like three weeks later not a year later or whatever right
3: do we
4: do we consider braun a decent character like a decent person no right so he's the only <laughs> he's non decent one on the, on that council then, because everybody else, you know, it, it reached a point of piety, almost. Uh, you, you know, we know what Brienne was all about and her, and her, you know, her commitment to Sansa. So I can see that Tyrion is really smart and knows that it's better to keep his enemies close and True. people who would complicate yeah. his life. That's my only thinking as to why he would be there, because Bronn can be the fly in the ointment, and if you keep him close, uh, you can see what he's up to.
2: Well, I guess the Littlefinger was the master of coin before that, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was a pretty rough dude for sure
2: yeah hmm. right. what do you think Hami? I was
5: trying to think I was going to say oh because Bron has all the um, all the gold but he actually doesn't because they raided Highgarden and brought it all to King's Landling to pay off the golden company or sorry the Iron Bank yep. so I'm not I'm not sure where all the gold is now they, maybe they looted it off the golden company folks yep. I can see that yeah
2: so how do we end this show
3: now <laughs> well I, I guess I want to black. I want to I want to touch on that one note that I put into our, our note there before we get to that so uh i think the easiest speculation coming out of this was there's a lot of places if say perchance hbo wanted to break the glass and uh and recycle the future of game of thrones now we know they're going to do some prequels there's a bunch of different shows in development they're they're not going to let this franchise not continue because money um how long before they throw a boatload of money at one of uh the stars the stark kids or whatever to reprise their roles the obvious one seems to be Maisie Williams because she sort of strikes out on her own if you pay her you know $10 million an episode 10 years from now to reprise her role somewhere in a new land of that world uh, does she come back and play that part because we last see her sailing off into the distance as you know I'm going to go discover the undiscovered country Um, so the question is you know is there something there so the answer in the short term at least uh, came this week so so the the uh, HBO's president of programming, Casey Bloys, uh, talked to The Hollywood Reporter and everyone said, hey, you know, uh, the question was put to him, you know, does Arya's ending mean we're going to see a spinoff with Bazy? And he said, no, no, no. I uh, said, nope, 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 no. Part of it is I want to do this show, this Game of Thrones, Dan and David's show to be its own thing. I don't want to take characters from this world that they did beautifully and put them off into another world with someone else creating it. I want to let it be the artistic piece they've got. That's one of the reasons why I'm not trying to do the same show over. George has a massive, massive world. There's so many ways in. That's why we're trying to do things that feel distinct and not try to redo the same show. That's probably one of the reasons why right now a sequel or picking up any of the other characters doesn't make sense for us. I agree with his sentiment, but how long do you think they can hold off when there's going to be a nonstop clamor for a reprisal of something from this world?
4: I think I think you're right. It's going to take years. It'll take years. But like tonight when we're recording this, uh, Woody Harrelson is playing Archie Bunker in a live uh, All in the Family, right? So I think it depends on one thing practically which is, how does Macy's career go? What else does she do? And the other part is, in a handful of years, uh, it would be the biggest TV event ever if we get um, 27-year-old Arya. Like, that would be a monster television event, and the money might be just too big for them to ignore. Yeah. True. true.
2: I was—I have to say, I was actually disappointed. Other than her ninja move on, on the the White Walkers, you know, when she killed the the, white, the Night King, um, I was a little disappointed we didn't get any of the faceless man kind of ninja stuff that she did in, in the last couple of series,
4: right? Yeah, but she did kill the Night King. What more can we ask from her? <laughs> she was tired. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty high note Shoot. to go out
3: on.
2: Well, we were hoping she was going to do Sansa or sorry, Cersei or, or um, Danny or something, you know, like something.
3: You know what? I bet you if, if this was a... Maybe that was if this her, was 10 not Jon Snow. If, if this was a 10 season Game of Thrones and they played out the last full 10 episode seasons to the end, I think they could have gotten more into that stuff. But man, how do you fit that in? Like, they shoehorned so much stuff. The pacing in this was so far off what we're used to in game of thrones how could you squeeze that in oh but if she
4: had yeah. if after john killed danny if we cut to john somewhere else and then back to john with the bloody knife and then she takes the face mask off oh my god <laughs> oh my god George, you got my money take all my money <laughs> that would have been so great tim you're onto
3: it man that's a great idea <laughs> <laughs> somebody get benny off and weiss on the phone
5: yeah sure, sure. yeah I, I i do think that it will be interesting to see what they do because you look at the reaction videos online and you know people are watching it at bars and other big gatherings and one of the biggest cheering moments like like somebody scored the game-winning touchdown on the Super Bowl moments is when Arya stabs the Night oh, King so great! Yeah. And, and the second one is when John pets ghost oh, at the very end so
1: great, That's so, <laughs> great.
5: People are so happy so I think they should take a page out of what uh, CBS is doing with Star Trek do in a different series like I don't know like an animated series or something, kind of like the Lower Decks sort of series we've talked about for Star Trek,
4: the and do
5: the Ghosts and Drogon oh. like buddy cop oh, show. No, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but you can decide how canonical it is.
4: I love that. Yeah, for sure, for
2: sure. All right, well, listen, we're way over time here, so we should jump to the watch list and, and kind of whip through that if we can. So, Jaime, you got the first thing on here, and it's a Game of Thrones related thing. So there you go.
5: Yeah, it's a tweet by Dan Olson who has a really good series on uh, or channel on YouTube called Folding Ideas, where he does a lot of uh, screen and screenplay analysis and he's got a uh john hughes style ending to game of thrones that i think is fun for folks who watched some of those movies in the 80s i think it's worth the worth a shot and it gives you the like where did everybody end up with a little uh text underneath sort of thing
2: yeah love that love that you see that in a lot of movies for sure yeah Yeah. so what else you got behind me
5: the other one was uh i was out last week on a work trip in portland but me and some of my coworkers got out to see what we left behind the star trek deep space nine documentary uh, one nine only it was fantastic but don't worry uh, apparently there will be blu-rays and or dvds available Soonish, I hope. I don't actually know when, but they they do mention it, so if you didn't get a chance to go out and see it, I'd say wait for that. It was great to see, you know, interviews with the cast. It was kind of cool that they actually brought the writers back together and they sort of prototyped out, oh, what if we were to do Season 8, Episode 1? What would that be like? And with a little bit of uh, visualization, storyboard, and animatics for that. And, of course, the sort of Crown Jewel was the, I think it was like 20 minutes of HD remastered video for uh, Deep Space Nine, something like the uh, Sacrifice of Angels battle was just like amazing on the big screen and with crystal clarity of HD.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, so my my I got I got three here actually. So I finally got around to watching Hereditary, which was supposed to be this amazing you know horror movie. So I got myself all primed up and I was in a good place, was ready to watch this movie and have you know the bejesus scared out of me. Um, I got about halfway through and then it got so predictable that I. I wonder if it was actually a comedy. Have you guys seen the movie? I've
4: nope. I have not. I have seen it, yes.
2: So when it gets to the part where about the occult, I mean, maybe I just don't believe in the occult or whatever, but I mean, like the there's a there's this accident that happens in the middle of the movie, I'm not going to spoil it for people, but which is just amazing and off the hook, right,
4: George? Oh, bro, that was so traumatic.
2: Yeah, and then and then then, then it moves into the sort of occult, well, maybe I'm giving away too much by saying the occult, but at that point, they kind of lost me, like it kind of, you know, I, I was watching this movie and I'm thinking, it wants to be Rosemary baby, right? But it, it's coming off more like, like Event Horizon, and you know how I feel about Event Horizon. You know? <laughs>
4: I, um, <laughs> yes, I, I do. I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, of the Eight Kings of Hell, so to see one represented in the film, I liked it, um, I, but it, it certainly wasn't, it didn't carry the same um, tension that the trailer did. Um, oh, right, yeah. You know, but that, that, that scene you're talking about, that accident scene, was just overwhelming, and I think that just kind of, that stuck with me for the whole film.
2: Yeah, uh, well, for sure. I mean, they, they do a sort of Quentin Tarantino you know, you don't really see what happens and you're not really sure what's happening and they don't reveal it till much later, right? So, that was really good, but yeah, the, the, I think they, they if they had kept with that momentum, I might have been I might have been really, really happy with the movie, but I I I watched it till the end because I figured, okay, I'm here, I might as well watch it but yeah, they had lost me when, when uh, Tony Colletti, what's her name, Tony Collette? Tony Collette's, uh, you know starting to lose it a bit, you know, in the movie yeah, interesting. The other thing was, so it was, it, I don't know what, I have a special place in my life for, for death around me is some people know, but uh, a friend of mine recommended this this uh, series called "Dead to Me," which stars Christina Applegate and I've forgotten her name now. Um, Linda Cardellini. Lena Cardellini. We I think we talked about it on the show here, but but I definitely highly highly recommend binging this one. Like thirty minute episodes, you'll be done in like two three hours kind of thing. Uh, Ten episodes, um, super super hilarious. It starts with um, uh, Christina Applegate's husband has just been killed in a hit and run, and she's got this amazing uh, attitude that unlike any you know uh, a female character in any any you know movie where something like as devastating as this has happened to her um, it's just it just plays plays up great so I definitely recommend Dead to Me I don't know if any of you guys have seen it at all or
4: I think it was just passed by Riverdale as the most watched, like Riverdale is now the most watched Netflix show but for uh, for its
3: run uh, Dead to Me was the number one show how long has it been out only a couple of weeks Sherry just binged the whole thing my wife really really yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean the ending is kind of typical, I, I, you know. Not, not. I, I was kind of wondering what was going to happen at the very end, but when when it did pay off, it was it was a bit surprising. But of course, it leads into the next next season. How could you have it? You need this this type of ending to have a next season. I'm not going to give anything away. There.
3: Well, Netflix is very invested in having people hooked onto their new series now. Since they're as we talked about last week, a lot of their content yes. is going bye-bye. The cupboards
2: are getting bare. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And my last one was I just last night I w- sat down and watched Happy Time Murders, which is the uh, Jim Henson's sons' movie. Mm-hmm. I think right um, something to do with Muppets. Uh, it, it basically has. I think I don't know if they are officially Muppets or not, but but it's about this world where um, puppets, as they call them in the show, um, and humans live. So it's kind of like Alienation, that kind of thing. You know, where uh, these two people used to be cops. So one's a puppet. One's not. One has you know part puppet. She has a puppet liver, and it's whole sort of you know um, sort of I, I don't know. There's another word for it, but racist kind of attitudes towards puppets. In society, and um, just but totally told like it's, it's a comedy and a tragedy at the same time. It's it's totally worth watching. And of course, it's a vehicle for I can't remember her name now. Um, Melissa McCarthy?
4: Melissa McCarthy. No, it's, such, it's, it's that it's, movie was not what I thought it was when I saw the poster <laughs> at all. And I put it on, and like two seconds in, I went, What the what is this, man?
3: It was a real shocker.
2: Yes, definitely don't. I love the I love the uh, the drugs are are actually sugar candy. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. Over to you, John.
3: Uh, Yeah, I got a couple things. So uh, one of my favorite animated series is about to start its final season, Archer, Uh, Archer 1999. The final season uh, starts uh, May 29th. And uh, there's a couple of really great goofy trailers. Uh, Anybody who's a fan of the show knows uh, each season sort of has a different motif. Uh, They've done noir. They've done uh, sort of a disco era. They've done, uh, you know, uh, a high adventure. Uh, This one is going to be set in space. Uh we're still not clear how it's all gonna wrap up because we're not entirely sure how it keeps lurching from place to place, but uh it never fails to make me laugh. It is such a weird, goofy, funny series. Um so many talented people working on it behind the scenes and uh and I can't wait to see how they how they wrap up the Archer world. So I'm I'm dying for that one. How many seasons has it been on? Uh I think this is the oh I wanna say ninth or tenth season. Tenth season. Wow. Yes. Hmm. Um now again the season for them is I think 10 episodes. Okay, um, sure. But uh, it's, it's, uh, the other seasons are on Netflix here in Canada. I don't know uh, about the States, but uh, it's, again, it's one of those shows where once you start wading into it, it's hard not to want to keep watching because it's 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 really funny.
4: I interviewed Aisha yeah. Tyler about it, and she said to me it was her first experience ever where the she read the scripts and they were so far over the line. And oh, they, yeah. And then when the network read the scripts, the network said to the writers, I think you could go further. Whoa. Yeah, and, and she was like, <laughs> what? The resident Went, what and the network said, yeah, push more. Don't be afraid.
3: <laughs> so because well, it's, where- it's FXX, right? It's it's Fox's oh, right. wow. adult brand. So they wanted envelope pushing. This is you know they the same ones that bring us Legion and some of the weirder Fargo, some of the the edgier, weirder side of of their storytelling. Wow. all right. But it's yeah, it's it's genuinely you know borders borders are pushed in a regular occurrence on that show. Um, a lot of innuendo, a lot of uh, dirty jokes, but it's it's always funny. Right. And the last thing I've got in here is uh, they've got a trailer this week for Black Mirror Season 5, which is coming mm-hmm. in a scant uh, week and a half to Netflix. Wow. Uh, June the 5th is coming. Um, so we'll have the, the link in our show notes to the uh, the trailer. Um, yeah, I mean, that series never seems to disappoint. I can't say every single episode is knock my socks off, but there's almost always a gem or two in every season. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they've come up with this year.
2: Yeah, and some big names acting in that one too. Absolutely,
3: sure. Yeah, Miley Cyrus is the, uh, the big face of this one that uh, she's in one of the episodes.
2: Spoilers? Come on.
3: Well, she's the first thing you see in the trailer.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I haven't seen the trailer yet. All right. (laughs) So, George, do you have anything to send our fans away with? Something to watch? Something you're interested in? Uh, Yeah. It
4: was a big announcement this week was that in the fall, we're going to get the new season of Rick and Morty. And this is is like, I don't know, you know, as a completely non-theist, I don't know what Catholics feel like when they get a new Pope. But to (laughs) find out, we're going to get another season. So here's what I would recommend. Obviously, to watch the three seasons of Rick and Morty, you, you got to watch them several times but the thing that i would tell people to do is go on youtube and watch the um, hidden messages inside rick and morty videos there's a, there are hundreds of them but there's so much uh there's so much meta information metadata in this series in the background to this series that i have currently been watching. like i'm just watching them all fan theories and conspiracy theories about stuff in the background of rick and morty um watch those and get ready for when the next season starts
2: yeah it's fabulous i watch it all, I, whenever it's on i just don't i've, I've- Watched it completely out of order. Never had a, you know, never watched it in, seri- in series, but every episode stands on its own for sure. Yep. Great cartoon. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no worries. So that's it for another week. So, um, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right. And Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you,
3: uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. George, can, how can people get in touch with you?
4: I'm on a Twitter and Instagram as at Strombo. That's right. And you have this little
2: radio show you do Strombo Show. All right. CBC Music, I believe, right? That's right, every Sunday night. Sunday nights. And we have an app. All right. Uh, My name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me. So until next time, we'll see you in the future. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.
3: Let's go, Raptors.
0: If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. (laughs)
3: <laughs> George are they going to win the series
4: Oh man I don't know I, I don't know but I think that game uh, 4 Was the best defensive I think game 4 was the most complete Raptor game I've ever seen in my life I used to be an NBA reporter The first few years the Raptors uh, were in existence So I would sit courtside My job was to cover the visiting dressing room So I had the Barkley, Jordan era And um, every team had had Hall of Fame players And we would watch some really neat teams Come in and play But what happened in game 4 That Raptor, That thing was out of this world So I don't know if there's another one of those in them, and I can't tell how badly hurt Kawhi is.
3: Yeah, Kawhi got hurt. Oh no! Yeah, he tweaked his leg again.
4: And the thing too, and you know, going to Milwaukee, the refereeing is so terrible in that league. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm really—it's the one thing that makes watching B-ball almost impossible—is the hometown reffing. And I, I, I I just hope Drake goes and sits courtside and continues (laughs) to irritate everybody. But you know, yes, I do think we can win the series because we showed that the that the Bucks were completely. uh, Befuddled by the Raptors' defensive pressure, they were they could not handle that pace. Uh, if yeah. the Raps can do that for those two more games, uh, we're going to you know we're going to Oakland.
3: Okay, so then the follow up question is: Is there a chance in hell against Oakland?
4: I think so. I think there is because I think Kawhi that close in his home state, and you know Golden State is obviously this incredible team, but they're a, they're not a perfect team anymore. They're, so they can be beat. I actually think we could beat them, but that's mostly if Kawhi and but everybody's got to be you know you have to have four guys in double digits every night if the raps want to do that but i yeah. think defensively we can do it and i think that um i think Kawhi is just out of control we're watching we're watching one of those really special moments in uh, in canadian sports that we have a guy like Kawhi here so i think that they can beat them i don't think it's likely but i think yeah. they can
3: i guess it depends if they get kd back i mean i, I think as it is right now there's a big f u kd thing going on in in uh, golden state they seem to be playing with a real chip on their shoulder i mean you look at curry's numbers was it 37 36 37 Thirty-six for four-game sweep. uh, uh man, I, I don't give them a snowball's chance in hell. That team looks just like they looked like they did four years ago before KD joined them. It's sick. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Uh, I hear
4: KD is going to possibly go to the Clippers too. So it's and if that happens, that's where Kawhi was expected to end up. Well, they they have enough cap room to get both of them too, which is even
3: more terrifying.
4: So, well, that's you know, then they would yeah that would be and then LeBron. Oh my God, can you imagine LeBron in L.A. Uh, having to contend with that? Um, Maybe I,
3: the third biggest star in LA basketball, which I don't think would sit well with them. No, that's true.
4: I, I, but I do think we can beat them. I think we can, and I just don't. I don't think those guys can can be that hot forever.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Steph Curry's been hot for about five years now, so it must fade. It doesn't, doesn't. It
4: doesn't fade
3: at some point. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. All, all, all dynasties <laughs> eventually crumble. I mean, there's no way to keep it going. But boy, they have looked so good now. Again, yeah, the the competition in the West wasn't as hot as it has been the last few years, and you know, they kind of steamrolled and. Uh, a, a, a feisty team from portland but man that it's not looking so hot hi mary are you watching any of this
5: yeah so it, it was in portland and folks wanted to watch the games of course uh, for the blazers i was rooting for the blazers you know sort of a seattle doesn't have a team so this is the closest thing oh, I can that's a, on. that's to. a
3: tragedy that a that you don't have yeah. a team and b that you're forced to root for the blazers yeah <laughs> it was like a, a
5: weird surrogacy sort of thing um and I, I i do agree with the feistiness of the blazers the blazers showed that the warrior's as fantastic as they are because they, you know, swept the Blazers, but they were, they were down by double digits pretty late several times. Yep. So there are weaknesses to the Golden State Warriors that I think whoever ends up in the finals against them can exploit. Yeah. Um, I would not look past Giannis and the Bucks though. Um, I've seen uh, Giannis play uh, in Portland. That dude is a beast. So I would, I would not, you know, look too far yet and just make sure you get through the series first
2: before thinking about the finals in the matchup. Yeah. Well, this is furthest the Raptors have ever gone in the playoffs, right? So far?
3: Yeah. Well, they made it to the East. Finals two years ago too, but oh, okay. that was less of a contest. It, it feels like they weren't quite as in it as they are this time.
2: Yeah, it would be interesting just to see them go all the way, just for the sake of seeing them ha- seeing that happen.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Is it is it better to make the finals and lose to one of the greatest, probably the second best team in the history of basketball? I mean, you can argue them versus uh, the the Celtics team from the '60s, but I mean, the run they're putting on is it's arguably historic. Uh, is it better to be part of the, the the history of making it to the finals and losing to a team like that, or is it's better to uh oh, yeah. to not be oh, no. the team that gets pounded like that.
4: Oh no, you go in there and you and you shake them. You go in there and you shake them. I I think it's I think they have to get to the final. Raptors need this. Also if they don't get to the final, the Kawhi trade is was always that's the lo- that's the loss, right? The benchmark has always been you're going to trade tomorrow for Kawhi. You got to make the final.
3: So if oh, they right, yeah. does there any chance Kawhi comes back? And if so, does it depend on them making the final?
4: I think if I think he can come back, I think we can offer more money than anybody else, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, he could have gotten even more money if he'd stayed in, in San Antonio because he could have got the Supermax. So money's clearly not the issue. Yeah, I think it's so unlikely that he stays. So unlikely. but uh, you, you don't care. You're going to be in L.A. half the time. You're going to see him there.
4: Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, I, can't <laughs> root, I can't root for the Clippers. So I am... Um, <laughs> No, I think there's a chance. This is there's. I think of all the players that I've talked to that they it's you know for everybody on Twitter who rips Drake for Drake's involvement. The thing is this: the Raptors aren't the Raptors without Drake. Drake changed the complete um, mm-hmm. feel of this team. The, the way the NBA players feel about Toronto now it's completely different, and it's one million percent because of Drake. And and people don't want to admit it, but Drake is the reason the Raptors are. Of course, Masai is an amazing manager, but Drake's the reason why this place is exciting for other ball players and uh, and so I think that if Kawhi stays, Drake would be a, Drake, Drake's going to play a role.
3: Do you think oh. that, that that if he decides to depart, they go into full rebuild mode or do they actually try and run it back?
4: Uh, that's a great question, man. I don't know. I think if they win the title, he leaves because if, if Raps win, he's given us everything he needs to give. Then he can go play in his hometown. Um, but then that's a really good question. I, I think that the Raps always, their philosophy, at least from my information and when I've talked to some of the higher-ups, there's some really great kids out there that get drafted. He's like, we don't have... Have to try to get them in their first year. Let's wait for another team to develop them and we'll get them when they become free agents. So Masai was thinking the free agent game the whole way. And this, this, um, this, Mar- this Gasol-Kawhi partnership has been so impactful for them. And of course, Pascal, who's you know the most improved player. Um, I don't know that you can rebuild this. You win mm-hmm. the title, like you, you, you got to go for it again.
3: Yeah, but what if you flame out in six or seven games in the East
4: final and lose yeah. your best player? Yeah, that's that's a then that's a really tough thing. That's, that's a really yeah. tough thing. All right,
0: well, we'll have to wrap it up there, guys. All right, thanks, guys. All right, always a pleasure, guys. Okay, bye. Talk yeah. to you later.